Hey everybody and welcome back to the next episode of the Sweaty Palms podcast. I'm your host Zoe Dillon and today we have two very special guests on the show, Valina Vigo and Johnny Rosas. If you listen to my other episodes, you know that I'm an intern for Valina at the 40 Watt. Valina is the vice president of third party programming for Live Nation and the talent buyer for both the 40 Watt Club here in Athens and the Buckhead Theater in Atlanta. And Johnny is the national manager of third-party programming at Live Nation. I just wanted to thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast and being here. I'm really honored to have both you guys, and I'm really excited to see where this episode takes us. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Um, just to want you guys to see the scene of what's going on right now, because I don't film yet, but Gypsy is currently sitting in, in Johnny's lap with a blanket over her, and it's really cute. Yeah, she's and, laying right on top of me. <laughs> and Gypsy is uh, Lena and uh, David's dog. And she's about 80 pounds, so she's not, <laughs> yeah. she's not a small girl. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. She's a big lady. <laughs> so I'd love to ask you, Johnny, if you could give a little bit of background on why you decided to work in the music industry and kind of your progression through it from where you started to where you are now. I know we talked about it a little bit yesterday mm-hmm. in the car, but for anybody else who wasn't in that car, it would be <laughs> nice to, to, to talk about. And then, yeah, after that, I'd love to talk about how y'all met too and the story of that. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I guess my start or intro to music was with my cousins showing me music when I was much younger and then learning guitar. Mm-hmm. I've been doing that for about, gosh, I think it's like 14, 15 years now. Mm-hmm. After that, I kind of knew I wanted to be in the music industry or I knew I wanted to be in the music industry. I just didn't know at what capacity. Mm-hmm. So after high school, going to college, I decided to join the music industry studies program. Did that. And I think in my sophomore year, I did my internship with Live Nation. I was about 20 years old at that time. And so I was in the main Live Nation headquarters, uh, it was off Hollywood and Highland mm-hmm. um, in L.A. And so I was on the floor with a lot of the big talent buyers in L.A. and Hollywood. A lot of the presidents oversaw the venues. A lot of big, you know, big name people in the industry or in Live Nation. I was the intern for one of the talent buyers there. Being an intern, I was just editing contracts, getting data, mm-hmm. you know, just like daily task stuff. And... I actually really enjoyed doing it and, you know, listening to people talk about booking shows and what it took and, Mm -hmm. you know, all the hard work that went into it. So after doing that, I knew I wanted to, I kind of knew I wanted to book shows. So to keep inside the industry and working at doing something, I worked at House of Blues Anaheim, which was still under Live Nation's umbrella at that time. Or it still is, but it, it got bought out, I think, a little bit beforehand. So I was at House of Blues Anaheim. I was a box office ticket seller. And I also worked at the House of Blues restaurant. So I was a ticket seller there for about three and a half years. Live Nation closed down House of Blues Anaheim to move it from the downtown Disney location into a different location and make it a lot larger too. I think it was 1,100 capacity and now it's about 2,000. So once it closed down for about six months, I want to say, I took a job at Segestrom Center for the Arts, which is this theater, nonprofit theater out in Orange County. And it was not the same thing. The music industry is much different than a nonprofit running, you know, quote unquote, a venue. It's very, very different. So being there, doing a lot of Broadway, a lot of classical music, you know, it's a very much different clientele than a rock concert. So I knew being there that just, did, I did not want to be there anymore. It was mm-hmm. just a totally different vibe. So got out of there. And in the midst of that, I applied for the Fox Theater in Riverside. Applied there like in March or April. Didn't hear anything back for about two months. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'm not going to get this job. 
But luckily, when I was in the middle of going to EDC, which is this huge EDM festival in Las Vegas, um, I get a call from some random number in Riverside. And so I don't usually answer numbers I don't uh, know. But I just, I, for whatever reason, I answered it. And it was a, the assistant general manager of the Fox Theater. We did a small interview. I was like getting ready to go to this festival. Did the interview and he was like, okay, I want to do a second interview. Come to the Fox like in a week. Funny enough, this assistant general manager is now the general manager of the Aztec in San Antonio. So we still talk and I still work with him. Did the interview with him, got the job there as just a ticket seller again. But the general manager and I started talking when I was there. And he was also a Cal Poly alumni. And so we were talking about what I wanted to do, you know, my college experience. At a point, he lost his executive assistant. And so he told me he wanted to hire me. Our interview was us going down to what's called the Festival of Lights. It's during December uh, in Riverside. It's this gigantic festival with Christmas lights everywhere, all sorts of desserts. So our interview was walking around the Festival of Lights. He bought me a churro. He told me what the job <laughs> was. And he was like, great, you have the job. Oh, wow. And so to be honest, I haven't interviewed for a job mm -hmm. in years. It's been a long, long time. It's <laughs> kind of been, I've been lucky enough to just kind of been, been handed stuff, uh -huh. um, which is a beautiful thing. But he handed me this job mm -hmm. and going from, you know, just selling tickets to working with venue managers, it's, it's that was a huge jump. Mm -hmm. I knew how to sell tickets, but I didn't know to t how to talk the talk, you know, with different managers and their daily tasks and understand what they do. Mm -hmm. So the learning curve was gigantic. I didn't understand anything. It was really hard for almost three years. I was getting reamed about a lot of things I didn't understand. When you're jumping into it and people need help, they're wanting help with people that understand how to do the job. Mm -hmm. And I was not that. I just, it, it took a long time, two, three years is a long time to learn everything, but it was a lot. I had to learn production and marketing and booking and, you know, the daily tasks of the general manager. And it was a city-owned venue, so there's city politics involved. Did that for three years, became the general manager assistant after our general manager left. But then there was a lot of reliance on me when we didn't have a general manager. And so I was doing stuff that the general manager used to do. I was helping on the marketing side. I was creating events. We're doing what's now creative. I was doing creative content filler before it was a division in Live Nation. So we were creating events, doing little like DJ parties. I was doing what we call co-pros. I was doing co-promoted shows with different promoters, radio stations. Mm -hmm. And then I was doing the rentals. And so I was renting out the venue to different promoters. We would talk about their marketing plan, the artists, what we thought, you know, what their ticket sales would look like. And that's how I kind of got into the rental game, mm -hmm. if you want to call it that. Renting out venues and, you know, the, the sort of tasks that come with that, which, you know, it sounds easy to just rent out a venue, charge somebody and let them have the venue. But it's, it's not that simple, which I think a lot of people don't understand. So that's how I got into kind of booking shows. Go back from, you know, my internship of wanting to book shows to now doing it. And of course, like the, it, it was smaller than like the national tours that Live Nation does. But it's still in the same realm. So I was dealing with agents, doing contracts, you know, tracking, ticketing, going over marketing plans with the marketers. And that's how I kind of got my feet wet with booking. And I did that right when I started as, as the executive assistant, I think like three months in. The general manager gave me a little bit of leash, but he was always overseeing. But once that general manager left after three years, it was all me. Oh, wow. And so then I just got drenched in it. And so I was responsible for a lot. I had a budget. I was doing creative content. I was filling in dates when the talent buyers weren't doing it because they were just so overwhelmed. Once I started doing that, then I kind of got used to talking the talk with the marketing team. And, you know, I kind of learned a lot more about the business. And talking to our own talent buyers, too, was really helpful uh, in expanding my knowledge on what they do on their end. 
because of course I was doing the small stuff, but they're dealing with like, the, the big agents. That kind of helped me too, learning their end, the marketing end, just kind of getting my feet wet all over in all the different departments. And so that really helped me understand a lot of different things that I never thought I'd understand. I wanted to just do booking, but just getting my feet wet with everything else gave me a much larger amount of knowledge. And so now I can talk to each venue at this point and speak the same language, understand what they're saying, which I think is really important. When I got the job that I have now, which I guess I can jump into the story of how Valina and I met, it was pretty quick. Valina got her job as being the VP of third-party programming in September 2021. And so she was doing stuff nationally already, and I took care of the Riverside market for rentals or for third-party programming. I wanted to reach out, but my general manager at the time said, just wait, we'll talk to her later once she's more settled in. I think coming October, you know, she had something for Riverside. My general manager, you know, was kind of protective of me and our business in Riverside. He, in an email chain, was just like, hey, Johnny takes care of third-party programming out here. Just to let everybody know, just send everything for Riverside his way. Valina sent an email back and just said, hey, Johnny, we should talk. Why don't you give me a call? I think we talked for probably about 45 minutes. And she was like, I want to hire you. I'm going to call you back. I think she called back either that day or the next day and was like, great, you're going to get this job. Just keep doing what you're doing. Let's talk more. And it just happened really quick. I think we started in October, started doing it nationally and helping her by November, mm -hmm. and then had my offer letter by December, which, you know, it, it sounds like a long time, but I was doing the job like right from the get-go. Now doing it nationally and working with Valina in like 130 venues, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of volume for sure, but it, it's not too different from what I was doing. It's just, you know, a lot of different states and people and learning learning people's names and the different politics in each state and mm -hmm. what's allowed and what's not you know it, it's a lot but it's been fun it's a good experience it's learning everything and I'm, I'm still learning along the way and i think in this industry that's what you have to do you just have to learn as many different things as you possibly can to make you a, like a well-rounded manager and leader in the company so essentially that's how i got my start it definitely was not easy it took a lot of learning for sure it was I can definitely say it was not fun in the beginning because I was learning and, you know, I was getting in trouble, but I was learning. I was learning, you know, I was, I was in a market where I could learn, you know, mm -hmm. I wasn't in LA where it's just high volume all the time. And I feel like in some of those venues, it might be a little bit more cutthroat than Riverside, but my general manager was a very good mentor. He taught me a lot. The new general manager saw that I was really trying. And so he told me from the very get go. You can mess up as many times as you want mm -hmm. and you, you will get it. But I want you to grow here and that at some point, you know, you can get to a point where you are a manager. Mm -hmm. And so he gave me a lot of leash and, and allowed me to do a lot of things that I probably wouldn't have been able to do in a different venue. That's how I got my start. I definitely will say it took a long time. I did not become a manager for eight, nine years. So yeah. it, it was not quick, but it was definitely worth the time of just waiting it out and trying until I got to that point. It's just perseverance for sure. So that's, I guess, my my long story of how I got to where I'm at now. I was just going to say about Johnny though, when, and I'll talk a little bit more because it was just, it was just kind of kismet or something perfect when his general manager did say, you know, we have someone that does ticketed rentals. And I did exactly say, well, I would love to talk to him, right? Mm -hmm. Because I was very new to this. And even though my boss told me that I could hire when, when I was hired at Live Nation to do this, you know, program this new division mm -hmm. I did say I absolutely have to have somebody to work with me because mm -hmm. I'm a good seller 
I'm a good people person, but I'm not very good at the admin stuff, mm -hmm. which I didn't even realize how great Johnny was and, how, he, and how he's taught Rome and taught these things. So to him, it's mm -hmm. like second nature. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's just, you know what I mean? I could do it, but it just takes me a lot longer to do. And right. I just thought with the volume of what we're dealing with, that would just be super hard for me to, mm -hmm. to do both. And they wasn't expecting that, right? But the beautiful thing about Johnny was when we did have that 45-minute conversation just talking about everything it just felt really natural mm -hmm. and there was two things about it and I don't want to get choked up about it but it was just like when he told me that he had been working for the company for eight or nine years and had started with box office and done so many things up to it you know it just it made me feel so good that I could hire him because he was within the company because I could have hired inside outside it didn't matter Carl didn't care but for me to take someone you know and ha give them a full-time position and put him where he should be, which is a national position as a manager and what he does because it's incredible. But I will say that the one thing that Carl, my boss, said was he has a stellar reputation that mm -hmm. every time people talk about Johnny. So people were talking about Johnny before I even mentioned Johnny's name. So that's a wonderful thing that all of his GMs and all the people that work with him was saying like there's a, a real rock star out here that can do all this kind of stuff the only thing that was like he's saying he was you know persevering and, and and doing and learning as much as he can I just don't know if the GMs didn't have the power to move him up to you know a full-time salary position but it doesn't matter because mm -hmm. if he <laughs> I think about this job we've only had it for seven months but I and, and like he said he was he started working with me the minute that I said I was going to hire him because mm -hmm. it took a minute to get him even though he was working for Live Nation to get him under my umbrella, he never said, well, call me in two months when I'm, <laughs> when right. I get my first paycheck. Like, see, that's what, I, that's what's so wonderful about Johnny was he trusted me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He trusted to know that you're, you know, you are going to work with me. It's going to be us mm -hmm. because even though we have five or six, seven people under our division, it's really Johnny and I, you know, and this mm -hmm. is so neat that this is our first time in six months that we've even ever been in the same room together. Right. Even though we are, oh my God, we talk to each other five, seven, eight times a day <laughs> constantly. Yeah. And we're all constantly on every Zoom call together. So, mm -hmm. I mean, we felt comfortable. And even when you brought him yesterday uh, here, we automatically, there's a comfort feeling. Right. It's just like, yeah, feels like we've known each other forever. So that's the wonderful thing about this was I was a little nervous about, you know, having a division of my own, but then once I had us together, and I say we're team because we are a team, mm -hmm. and everyone knows that. Everyone says Johnny Bellina, Johnny Bellina. Every, you know what I mean? We're CC'd on every single thing. It's just, it's pretty amazing because mm -hmm. we work for a big company, and there's a lot of personalities, and it's a lot of people, and it's a lot of politics, and I just feel like, wow, out of the hundreds of people mm -hmm. that I could have met, it's unbelievable that yeah. we met each other. And I did, the only thing that kind of makes me go like, oh, was the GM saying, don't bother her yet. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? When she, he first heard about it. I understand why he said that because, you know, if I had been like a typical person, mm -hmm. it, you know, I might have blown him off or might have said, listen, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I've got to figure all this out. Right. I know where that's coming from. Mm -hmm. But now that he knows me and I know him, I mean, it would have been nice if I'd known him three weeks before, yeah, I mean, yeah. because the point is, I would have just openly gone, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. You're exactly what I need. I didn't even know exactly what I needed at the point. I mean, I knew I needed a good admin person 
and someone who's been kind of doing this right so I don't have to teach them mm -hmm. because it's so fast what we do it's kind of hard from like somebody that w would be outside of this company I can say it truly is like a perfect match mm -hmm. the live nation is very lucky that they have us mm -hmm. kind of running this division for sure yeah I yeah agree. yeah I hope they know that I hope they know that too <laughs> <laughs> they really need to know that yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the exact same question I'd love to ask Valina. About how I started? Yes. Just a little bit of background on, on who you are, why you decided to work in the industry. Sure. Yeah. So I started in a band when I was 19. Mm -hmm. I only went to college for a year and a half. And my sister and I were in an all-girl band for six years here in <laughs> Athens, Georgia. So we moved here. So I did not go to school here. I just mm -hmm. came up here because of the music scene. We actually broke up while we were recording a record mm -hmm. and it was just it was just time and so with that being said I was just like oh no what am I going to do mm -hmm. right because I was in my early 20s and so since I didn't finish school right mm -hmm. I didn't really know what I could study in school mm -hmm. but as I was telling Johnny today my mother worked for Sam Phillips which is Sun Records in Memphis Tennessee so mm -hmm. I remember her telling me stories about like working with Elvis Presley and Roy Orbison and Jerry Lee Lewis and all that stuff so I guess it is kind of in my sister and I's blood since my mom worked, you know, in, in radio and, and worked with Sam Phillips. So what I did was my mom told me that I needed to create my own job mm -hmm. and that's just how it works, right? And so I went down to the 40 Watt Club where it is now mm -hmm. and um, they had just opened that location. They've been in four or five locations, like smaller places, and it's a pretty big size club compared to what they had in the past. They know me because they've used to book my bands, mm -hmm. right? I just went to one of the owners and I said, how can I help? Can I answer phones? You know, what, whatever you need. And actually, thank God, Jared Bailey was the um, co-owner and he goes you know actually we do need this mm -hmm. because at that time there was no you know it's not the internet it just everything was by phone and he was getting kind of bombarded by the phone and he had to book mm -hmm. and you know beer deliveries and all kinds of stuff it's a very independent venue so everybody right. does everything I started helping him book which was so nice he just really knew that I had good taste in music he mm -hmm. was a little bit older than me and I have just you know I've been a fanatic of music since I was 12 years old I used to go to concerts by myself which I know that sounds weird no but, that's cool but, I didn't but, know that but they oh yeah they just I would go to the Fox Theater what? I mean I don't even know how I got there I don't know if my mom <laughs> dropped me off I'm not exactly sure yeah. I know now 12 and 13 year olds can't go to concerts <laughs> by themselves but I remember going to a Neil Young concert and writing every single song I mean he wrote what? he played 13 songs I mean I know it because I wrote it down <laughs> So, like, you know what I mean? I used to go to those, like, you know, kind of, like, festivals where it was, like, Cheap Trick and, like, you know, mm -hmm. all those type of heart, all those type of bands in the 70s. It's it's actually quite funny. But I saw Tom Petty and the Kinks and a oh, wow. bunch of stuff when I was younger. So, I've been a huge music fan. I had older cousins that turned me on to Led Zeppelin and just, you know, and music like that. So, music has always followed my family and, and, and myself. But to get back to the 40 Watt, I was answering phones and I was doing hospitality for the bands and my first real concert was I had gone to the REM office and they had a I'd already seen Nirvana in Atlanta probably 1989 or 90 and so when they have a new record out which is Nevermind mm -hmm. I had that that record before you know most people had it right because mm -hmm. REM was signed with Warner Brothers and so you know they were on Geffen Records and I said can I have this tape you know it was mm -hmm. a tape and and they're like looked at it and they're like yeah go ahead the manager had no idea who it was right mm -hmm. and I just fell in love with it you mm -hmm. know what I mean like I was just like oh my god and so I went to the 40 watt and I go I have to book this show and he's mm -hmm. like 
it's fifteen hundred dollars. That's that's a lot of money. Do you think that they're they're worth it? I go, yes, I think right. they're worth it, right? And so anyway, they came to the forty watt, and um, with that, I booked the Foo Fighters because they Nirvana loved us so much because I you know uh, kidnapped them and took them over <laughs> to Peter Buck's house because they wanted to see all their all the vinyl they had because they were huge REM fans. So mm-hmm. to this day, Dave Grohl remembers that day that they all went over to Peter Buck's house and we had a big party. I guess I just, in a, in a weird way, I kind of fell into booking. And certainly when I was a lead singer, I didn't think that I was going to be on the business side. Mm-hmm. But as, as I have said now, I just feel way more comfortable behind the scenes than I ever did on stage. I mean, I did do it, and I did write the songs, and I did, a, you know, enjoyed that process. But I, I like the business side of it much mm-hmm. better. And so I started booking the 40 watt the other owner bought out the co-owner mm-hmm. and so we we talk about it to this day we never even said that I was going to be the sole booker mm-hmm. it just ended up you know what I mean I just right. I just took that place so quickly and I've been with her for 31 years now so 31 mm-hmm. years in April and I've booked over 6,000 shows oh, wow. that I say so I I mean I've just booked so many shows I I, I don't people ask me my top favorites and it's just so hard because in mm-hmm. different time periods you know what i mean there were there were good reasons to book a lot of those shows mm-hmm. even if i wasn't like super fans it was just they were so nice you know the crowd was so into it or they were you know what i mean right. there's just so many good things that you just go well maybe that wasn't my favorite band i thought musically but they mm-hmm. were the nicest people on earth mm-hmm. right but with that being said i was booking the 40 watt for four or five years i always thought i wanted to get into a and r because mm-hmm. i felt like i was kind of at that time but uh, you know i could could kind of sense what was happening right. and what was good and what was popular and stuff. And so I thought I was going to have to move mm-hmm. uh, to Los Angeles or New York or something like that. And I had a couple opportunities to move to Los Angeles or to Washington, D.C. to work with the band Fergazi or mm-hmm. work for Geffen Records with a friend of mine. But it was all the same amount of money that I was making at the 40 Watt Club. Mm-hmm. And I was just a little nervous with that because it mm-hmm. wasn't very much money. It was fine at, in Athens, Georgia right. to make that amount of money. But I was thinking a major city that would just right. be like really tough. And so lo and behold, David Lowry, which now is my husband, he was my future husband then, didn't know <laughs> it. He said that Virgin Records was giving him a record label mm-hmm. um, and that he had a certain amount of money. Would I like to run it? And mm-hmm. I said, can I run it from anywhere? And he <laughs> said, yes, you can. Uh-huh. And with that being said, I bought this house that we're in right now mm-hmm. because I used the money that I would was going to do it towards an office space. Mm-hmm. I used the back of my house for my office, which I still to this day. And David and I were very good friends for many years. Mm-hmm. And then we fell in love about 15 years ago. But yeah, so I was running his record label and we were signing bands and we were uh, affiliate with Virgin Records. And Mm -hmm. so that was really fun to kind of go back and forth to Los Angeles and stuff, still booking the 40 watt, end up deciding not to go try moving anywhere else because I can do it here. When Mm -hmm. people say, and this is what I always say to the students at the music school, it's like, I know you think you have to move somewhere to make it. And it's just really not like that anymore, especially working, we work for Live Nation together, and we work remotely. You right. know what I mean? He doesn't go into the office besides if he wants to. And he doesn't have an office space besides where he wants to be. And that's exactly the five years that I've been at Live Nation. I've never had an office. I've always worked remotely. Mm-hmm. They really think, you know, if you if you can do your job, you can do it any, anywhere. Right. So thinking that you have to live in a major city where it's like huge amount of, you know, rent and all that stuff, it's, it's really not like that 
like it used to be where you thought you had to be in your three different states, Nashville, Los Angeles, or New York Mm -hmm. to be in the music industry and thrive because I'm here to say I've been here this whole entire time and done pretty well for myself, you know, by staying Mm -hmm. here. So when people are asking for internships or working, if you want to live in a a big city just because you never have or, or, or find something, that's great. But if for some reason you're like, I like Atlanta, you know, I'm from Atlanta, just try to find a job. You know, in Atlanta, there's plenty of jobs everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and secondary markets, too. Like, if you wanted to live in Charlotte, if you wanted to live in Birmingham, Alabama, if you wanted to live in Madison, Wisconsin, if you mm-hmm. want to live, you know what I mean, in Detroit, there's just, there's music everywhere, right? So, yeah, so I going into the record label and, and, and doing the 40-watt, and then I ended up being a co-manager for Cracker. There was a big management company that used to book them, and the guy... It was this is a hilarious story. He called me, very nice man. His name is Mike Jones, mm-hmm. and he called me and said, "Would you like to be the day to day manager? I will pay you ten dollars an hour." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Absolutely not," <laughs> <laughs> because at that time I was kind of a you know I had been at the forty watt for mm-hmm. a few years, and you know I was a I was the general manager of a record company, so right. I'm like I'm not going to do because I know what a day to day manager is. It's very hard, uh-huh. and you have to know every single thing about every single band member, social oh, wow. security. I mean, you have to do the flights. You have to do. You have to do a lot, right? right. So I was just like, no, no, thank you, right? Right. And it was my first time saying no because mm-hmm. I'm a yes person. So it's like yes, yes, yes for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. I feel like y'all too are like that too. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You just want to get in, so you'll you'll say yes to stuff. But this is the first time I said no. And then the next day he goes, <laughs> he called me back and he goes, "Do you want seven and a half percent?" And I said, "Yes, I do." Yeah. And so and so uh, he took you know. It's 15% is usually what you get as a manager, right? Mm-hmm. So I took seven and a half. He took seven and a half. For about a year, we worked together, and it was really awesome. And then he called me, and he's just like, you know what? You do everything mm-hmm. anyway. I'm going to give you the band. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really nice because I really was doing everything right. for the band, right? And I, and, I, and I just recently saw him last summer right after COVID, and I just really appreciate just the, his, the integrity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've worked with – I always cater to – to women and you know hiring women and but you know obviously I just hired Johnny and he was a you know like I said Jared Bailey was a great mentor to me there's lots of good men out there as well mm-hmm. with integrity and you know worth ethic and respect towards women mm-hmm. and so he's definitely one of them if y'all could go into more detail about what uh, third-party programming is for people who may not know yeah. and just yeah talk about that and then talk about how y'all y'all's roles differ um, and, and yeah, how you help each other. Yeah. Um, well it is, it is interesting because when you do mm-hmm. say third party, a lot of people don't know what that is. Live Nation is the largest concert company in the world. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I mean, just all across the globe, Live Nation presents. So a lot of people know who Live Nation is or Ticketmaster mm-hmm. is, but what Johnny and I do, we have, we have talent buyers at Live Nation mm-hmm. that book all the talent, right? Book all the shows, Billie Eilish to, you know, to whoever, Drake, you know. Right. I mean, just any concert that you see. And then, of course, they do the smaller clubs and theaters as well than mm-hmm. they, just the amphitheaters and the big shows and stuff like that. But what Johnny and I do are a little bit different. We work with outside promoters that have nothing to do with Live Nation. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are Latin promoters, you know, K-pop. Oh, cool. um, you know, a lot of international things, right? Mm-hmm. You know, reggae, all, all, kind, all, all kinds of stuff. 
and not just that. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it can be rap. Sometimes it can be, you know, children. It can be the Nutcracker. It can be Mm -hmm. all kinds of, you know, programming, right? So that's why they say third-party programming is because they will contact us, right? We don't contact them, Mm -hmm. and they'll say, hey, I'm interested in doing a show at Riverside um, where he works or Coca-Cola Roxy where I work, Mm -hmm. and we have to negotiate the rental deal Mm -hmm. plus the production, and then we are the ones that kind of handhold to make sure that the tickets go on sale. And like we were talking about, you know, the marketing strategies and just so between us separately in 2019, he did about a million dollars in his in his world. Mm-hmm. I did about a million dollars in my world. Mm-hmm. And so we're the perfect match, right? Uh-huh. He's West Coast. I'm, you know, Southeast. Mm-hmm. And so with that being said, now that we both do this together is that we kind of just go, he has Texas and California, Mm -hmm. and then I do certain, you know, I definitely do it at Georgia. Mm -hmm. And then we just kind of, we kind of split like what we're doing. Sometimes if it's anything to do with California, and California's big, and Mm -hmm. so is Texas. So he has a lot of responsibility with all Mm -hmm. those cities and all those venues. But if we do do something in between, or if we have, say we have RuPaul, UK drag show that we're doing Mm -hmm. and it was you know they wanted 15 cities we only got them three or four shows across Mm -hmm. the country but we work with that together or if we have a k-pop show that I worked with because there's a company that I worked with a couple years ago that did really well we're combining forces and working on that together Mm -hmm. so we pretty much do anything that's like across the country you know that's three or four shows Mm -hmm. we work together on that's why Johnny's here is because on Sunday we have a show a sold-out show at the Warner Theater in D.C., and Mm -hmm. then we go to Miami for another sold-out show. So that's why I'm saying we join forces, because we want to introduce both of us to those promoters, showing them that it's a team effort. And it's been really cool, because since he's on the West Coast and I'm on the East Coast, I wake up earlier than than Johnny, because, Mm -hmm. you know, of the three-hour time difference. I work in the morning. I take a little bit of a break. He comes on. Mm-hmm. We work all day together, and then he has a little bit more. He has two or three hours more mm-hmm. after what I'm done. So we don't miss anything. Right. Between both of us, we're going to catch what we need to catch because sometimes I just get the emails directly, and then I throw it to him and say, hey, do you want to work on this? Or sometimes mm-hmm. he'll say, hey, let, this is a little small. We don't really kind of need to, to bother with this. They're not going to be able to afford the rental price. So it's good to have two people on something to realize, is this worth our time or is it not worth our time? And sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. But the thing that we do or what we try to do that people don't understand is that we're curating these venues for the right outside promoter. We don't Mm -hmm. let just any outside promoter come in just because they have a little bit of money Mm -hmm. and maybe have a show to do. Mm -hmm. Because if they're not qualified or professional, they don't need to be coming into a nice club or theater and, you know, ruining our reputation. Because as we know, patrons don't know who is presenting the show. They just know they want to see a show at whatever venue. And so we're kind of the gatekeepers when it comes to outside promoters. And so we've been telling all the GMs and the buyers and the presidents and anybody that'll listen, we know how much responsibility we have on this Mm -hmm. and we take it very, very seriously. And that's what I really appreciate with Johnny is that he's a serious person and he's a respectable person and he doesn't want to 
put in something that we shouldn't be putting in and right. vice versa. I don't want to put anything just because we can make a couple of bucks off of it. It's not worth our reputations because that's what we're growing right now is our name. We're growing, of course, we're affiliated with Live Nation, but we're growing our names through our company, but also outside of our company. So right. we actually have best of both worlds because, you know, we basically handhold these promoters mm -hmm. and some of them tend to do lots of big shows, mm -hmm. you know, lots of big shows, very high profile, way more high profile than people understand mm -hmm. yeah so what are the qualifications you mentioned you won't just book any promote or you won't just answer any promoter what are the qualifications that you look for that will make you decide this is yes this is a show that we'll accept to put on or, or we want to want to do i guess it's a few things one is obviously the artist there's going to be certain artists that we can and can't do those artists also have to fit the room another thing for the promoter it depends also on how experienced they are we get hit up a lot by a lot of sort of different people that like Valina said, sometimes they just have money mm -hmm. and they want to try and throw a show, which is something that I actually run into a lot personally in L.A. is we have promoters that just have a bunch of money and they want to throw a party and hire an artist for mm -hmm. their friends and they want to sell tickets, sure, but they don't know how to run an event. Mm -hmm. And so if we were to allow those people into the room, they would probably destroy backstage. Oh, they, they would probably, yeah. Everybody would be like way too drunk. People would be coming in, making a mess of things which is what we do not want. We want to make sure we put good things into these rooms that are going to make, you know, the promoter money, the venue money, and it's just a good night. Of course, you're always going to have your issues on, on certain shows, or on, you know, on any show, really. But we want to mitigate that as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So we want professional people coming to the room that are doing this for the right reason, not just to hang out with their friends or because they have the money. We want them to bring in good acts. One thing is the artists, like Valina said, we're trying to curate it towards the venue. The second thing, too, is the promoter is professional and they have history of doing shows and this isn't their first rodeo. And I guess another important thing, too, is just that as long as they have history, and we can always check that history, too, especially if they've been in Live Nation venues, is that they can pay their bill. We don't want them to, you know, throw a show and they can't pay out the artists and they can't pay out us. And then, you know, we're Live Nation, so the artist is like, why isn't Live Nation paying us? And we're like, we're so sorry, it's not us, which happens from time to time. And I'm sure it happens at other solo-owned venues as well, if they're renting it out. So we, we just are trying to be careful when it comes to renting out the venue. Like I said, the promoter being professional and seasoned, well-seasoned is a huge thing. And again, the artist is another big part of it. So I guess that would be my answer to that question, is just, you know, well-rounded promoters, the artists, the money. Past history, yeah. We're just checking out those things. And they make their deposit. Yeah, and they make their deposit <laughs> for sure for the, for the venue. And I guess to Valina's point on hand-holding, you know, not that they're babies and we have to hold their hand on everything, but we want the success of their show. So, of course, we're trying to get their ticketing information and get it up on sale in an appropriate amount of time. And then we also talk to them about their marketing plan and what we can do to assist them, I guess, at what capacity we can course you know when they're renting out the venue it, it's a it's their responsibility to market in they're responsible for the success of the show mm -hmm. but we also want to help them as much as we can with the success so we give advice we suggest things if, if we can do anything on our end we will for example in riverside i have a relationship with the radio station so i'll connect them with the radio marketing managers or wh whoever from the radio station to give them the uh boost that they need and of course we have street team not anymore but we used to and we we, <laughs> we would give them help with the street team and you know i'd give them advice on the market and what i think will help because mm -hmm. that's the market that i grew up in being there for nine years and so you know i, I know a little bit about what what's going to help their show and in doing it nationally i might ask the buyer or the the general manager on what we can do to help because they're going to know that market better than i am we always want to help the promoter in any way we can on the success of their event 
once it goes up and we have our deposit. But yeah, we're, we're always trying to help the promoter in any way we can. And then it, it just looks really good on both ends when, when the show's a success. The venue makes money, they make money. The artist is happy with a filled up room and they want to come back. And so at the same time, we're, we're cultivating a relationship with those promoters, you know, and that, that'll help their rep when they go into other rooms. And so then once they have a good rep with us doing maybe one or two rooms and we can prove that they do really well, then they can start doing more rooms with Live Nation or even if they go into a different room, you know. I get asked a lot by different venues and different companies on how the show did with Live Nation. And of course, I'm always honest. If it's a good show, it's a good show. If it's not, it's not. Mm-hmm. But uh, we have to be honest. Yeah, numbers don't, <laughs> yeah, numbers don't lie. So, <laughs> yeah. But I guess to circle back to your question, the three things, again, is the promoter is well-seasoned, the artist fits the venue, and you know they have, they have the, the money to pay for that room and that artist. Gotcha. Yeah. I wish that I did video for this so then y'all could see everybody who's listening that Gypsy's sitting in between Belina um, and Johnny and she's really cute <laughs> right now. She was in um, my lap earlier. Yeah. I remember y'all mentioning talking about politics and how y'all deal with like a really high volume and how Johnny's based out of California. Belina, you're out of the, the Southeast. How do you think it's helps y'all that you guys are on two different sides of of the united states and do you think that's helped with understanding the politics in each state that you're working in and and how how do you think that's helped in a, and affected uh, y'all's work ethic and how you work yeah together? i think i think it's helped quite a bit because like johnny just knows so many of the gms and operations managers and even mm-hmm. box office and marketing out west right and then i know a few on this side so we could both kind of touch base with each other and go, do you know this person? Do you know this person? Mm -hmm. Or sometimes he'll email somebody and they don't get back to him. And he goes, do you mind just checking back in with this person? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and seeing what we can do with this. And so with working with two people, do you you see what I'm saying? It's like double, it's kind of a double whammy instead of one of us just being by ourselves kind of out in the dark. It's like, we've got, we've got this force. So I, I, I definitely love, I mean, I know now because he's here and he's going to be here with me for 10 days and we're going to be traveling and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. I mean, Johnny wants to travel more. We, when we both do, we want to see a lot of venues that we have never been to. And we want to meet some of these people that we've been working with for the last six months. Mm -hmm. So we both are in agreement there that Mm -hmm. we want to do more traveling, but I definitely see this next year now that the COVID stuff is knock on wood that we would, we'll definitely see each other more. Do you know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. like I said, I mean, even though we do live separately and I do love that it's West Coast, East Coast, Mm -hmm. just even today when we were working and we were just kind of going through our emails and just doing stuff, it was just so quick because he's right here. Do you know what I mean? And so that's just a nice feeling. So I think because it is just the only two of us working this whole country, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? That we'll definitely do more together you know but I, I do think it's an asset that he's west coast and I'm east coast for right. sure I'm trying to wrap my head around how just the two of y'all do everything that you do like it it kind of astounds me so that's yeah. really cool and I feel like maybe probably overwhelming at times <laughs> um, yeah, <cool>. yeah. <laughs> well I'd love to talk more about where y'all will be traveling and what you're doing while you're traveling like where you're going which which specific venues you're going to what sold out shows like all that kind of stuff if you'd like to go into that so what we thought is we've got a k-pop promoter who i had my largest cm with in 2019 Mm -hmm. in atlanta and she's just a joy to work with she's just super cool and she's just a tastemaker when it comes to k-pop and so when she came to us talking about doing a show with this particular artist of course Johnny and I did not know that artist, but even our box office people 
and GMs when they went on sale and they sold out within an hour, like were writing to us like congratulations because right. no one knows kind of that genre, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, some do. Like my real good friend, her daughter, mm-hmm. when I said I had that, she almost started crying because it's not in Atlanta. And she's just like, oh, please bring them to Atlanta. It's one of my favorite yeah. bands, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's what's so exciting. So when we did sell out so quickly, and it is such a good company to work with, I just asked Johnny, hey, wouldn't that be great if you could meet me in Atlanta? And then uh, let's, let's pick two venues that we would like to see first, right? Because mm-hmm. he's going to be in Atlanta seeing those venues and then two that neither you know that we could travel with and Mm -hmm. so we just picked dc and miami um because i've been to the miami one and not miami such a cool city Mm -hmm. but uh and good people that work there and are very supportive of us and so we just picked dc and miami this time and now we're trying to figure out today we were thinking like dallas will probably be our next city we're just trying to Mm -hmm. figure out cities that we want to do that with even though he's going to be here for 10 days we definitely have it laid out he's here in athens for three days he'll be in atlanta for three days he'll be in miami for two days and mm-hmm. he'll be in dc for two days and then he flies out so really every single day we have something going on and not that we have to be super busy because we are busy anyway so we're gonna have to have downtime to do our zoom calls and everything else but i really wanted to make it efficient and because he does live on the west coast i just wanted if he's going to be here this amount of time i just wanted it just to everything to kind of flow and so we're both very organized people and so Mm -hmm. i just didn't really want to waste his time so that's why we just kind of coordinated something and then also meeting you know people that we should be meeting so far it looks like it's gonna be exactly how we wanted it but we had no problem getting the approval for travel i think that our higher-ups we're happy that we're trying to do this, that we're mm-hmm. just proactive. Yeah. It's just like, this is just something that's going to help us in the mm-hmm. long run because the Warner Theater in D.C. is very prestigious and has a lot of rentals. Johnny's had a relationship with the GM, and I would like to meet her. It's so funny, the production manager, the sound department, mm-hmm. used to be the tour manager for 15 years for Drive-By Truckers. What? So I've known him for so long. Oh, wow. So, you know what I mean? So I get to say hi to him, and then we've met new, you know, new people along yeah. the way and stuff like that. So... I, I just think that we're going to go a long way once we show that not only are we booking these things, but we mm-hmm. do want to be there and we are prideful of these shows and we want to show that promoter that congratulations. Yeah. We want to see it. I want to see the 2,500 people yeah. screaming as That's loud as crazy. they can because this woman put this show on, but we put this show on too. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it's a, it's a team effort for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that like if you don't still have the enthusiasm – to, mm-hmm. to do this, then, I mean, I've said this to Johnny, but it's like, we need, you know, or I, because I'm older, mm-hmm. you know, I need to pass the baton. If mm-hmm. I'm still not interested and I'm not excited about sellouts or excited about meeting new people in our company or whatever, then, you know what I mean? So, there's somebody behind me that's going to love to be in my shoes. And I know that, just like Johnny said today, a lot of buyers, they don't leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I remember him it's telling very, me. very hard. <laughs> it's very hard to get a place at the table, so uh-huh. to speak, and I, I mean, he—he's right. Yeah. He's truly right about that. He—he's uh-huh. at the table. You know, he's now at the table. But I also said that I want him in his future to pull people up from behind. Mm-hmm. That if he finds somebody that he thinks should be that maybe is being overseen or just not even that, maybe they just don't have the power to do that. Mm-hmm. That that he needs to pick out the right people because it has to be you know the next generation and the next generation and the next generation yeah to, to be successful and I think that was another thing about I just think in the music industry I think everyone thinks it starts when the band gets there mm-hmm. or when the band's playing at like seven or eight o'clock at night 
there is so much to it. Oh, yeah. There are so many weeks and months and contracts and everything you can't even imagine before they actually get to that venue. Mm -hmm. And that's why when people go, oh, I want to be a talent buyer, or, oh, I want to be in the music industry, it's not a nine-to-five job. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You just don't clock out at five and then you're done. You could have 12-hour days. You could have 14-hour days. It just depends. But especially in the beginning... Gypsy snoring, guys. Yeah, yeah that's, that's not me snoring. That's not Johnny snoring. Yeah, um, but that's the whole thing is, is that you just got to be so on top of it. And we're mm -hmm. now starting to like, do we have the insurance? Do we have the agreement? Do we have it? Because we're gonna have to have everything ready for mm -hmm. every show that we do, even when we're not there or we're there. Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of organization. So it's great that people are music lovers. That's wonderful. We all, we all are and we all should be if we want to get in the music industry. But there's a lot more organization and just, you know, being one step ahead and mm -hmm. kind of thinking about this and having lists and just figuring everything out because we are on the business side. It's mm -hmm. called the music business, right? Right. So it is a business. So that's the whole point is that, yes, we're excited you know, I've only been to D.C. a couple of times. So, of course, we'd like to do something else outside of our concert, you know, mm -hmm. like go to the White House. I don't know. Just do yeah. something, right? <laughs> go to a museum. Do something so we can say we actually saw the city of D.C. But also it's like we've got to be prepared, too, mm -hmm. because we're walking into people who don't really know who Johnny and I are. So if we don't have all of our paperwork or something it's going to give somebody a bad taste. Do you know what I mean? Right. They're not going to think that we're on top of our game. And since it is only two of us, we have to be ahead of it. Mm -hmm. We have to go, no problem. Here's your folder. So then they realize when we're not there, that folder will still be there mm -hmm. that day. So it's not like we have to prove anything, but we do. Mm -hmm. We are proving. And so I think it's going to take some time mm -hmm. because our division is brand new. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a lot of people under our umbrella who don't actually know really what we do. Mm -hmm. So we have to prove that it's worthy that we, there is a division and that you know, that they need us. A good segue just for anyone that's listening that's young and coming up, I do believe that, and I've talked a little bit about this before, is that you don't necessarily have to be in Los Angeles mm -hmm. or New York or Nashville, that mm -hmm. there are plenty of opportunities to, there's so many cities, not even Live Nation that we're talking about, there's just so many music venues mm -hmm. in secondary markets, you know what I mean, in Birmingham and Charlotte and, you know, Madison, Wisconsin, mm -hmm. um, Salt Lake City, I mean, you know what I mean, Memphis, Tennessee, that like, that's why I just don't want people like, oh, I, I didn't get a job because when he was just saying it took two months for mm -hmm. Riverside to call him back, it, it sometimes takes a minute, you know what I mean, right. and so that you can't get discouraged, but like Johnny was saying too, is that, you know, he did a couple of jobs at the House of Blues, right, he mm -hmm. did box office and then you worked as a busser. Yeah, a busser. And it's just like, right. and when I started, you know, I didn't start as a talent buyer. I started as answering the phones and hospitality. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of have to kind of start somewhere. But everybody, even my boss, who's like high, high up at Live Nation, he parked cars. Oh, at um at an amphitheater mm -hmm. at for, you know under the um, uh, umbrella of Live Nation, so he's been with Live Nation for many many years too. And I just love the stories of people saying they worked in the mailroom at mm -hmm. William Morris or they did this. I mean, everyone has to start somewhere, so don't be discouraged, but just get in because right. once you get in and once they see you, like how they saw Johnny and they just kind of kind of kept moving him up. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really kind of how it works because they 
everybody really at any company wants to hire within. Mm -hmm. That's what you want to do. You don't want to have to go outside because mm -hmm. the, the people that are working there already know the system mm -hmm. and kind of the politics. So that's the point is like, if you love a company, a booking agent, a management company, you know, anything, just get in any way you can right. and just be and just say yes. Yes, I can do this. Yes, I will learn how to do this. Even if you don't know it, you will learn. Mm -hmm. And just like Johnny was saying that, yeah, there was a couple of years that it was rough. Mm -hmm. But instead of just getting all upset, feeling discouraged and quitting because he doesn't think he's good enough, mm -hmm. he's just like, I'm going to learn this. He was tough. Got to be tough. It's kind of like show business is not for everyone mm -hmm. or everybody would be in it, right? Everybody right. would be a rock star or everybody would be in our industry. And you just have to realize it's not easy and no one's going to give you huge breaks if you don't deserve it. So would it be helpful if, let's say, you want to work in Los Angeles or Nashville to already be in that city when applying for the job? Because do you think you'd be passed up by somebody else who's already working or living in that city? Like, do you I, think it matters? I do think that they pick people yeah. that live there. Because if you're talking about, like, if you're going to be a marketer or even a junior buyer or mm -hmm. any of that, they want you to know your town. Right, of course. So if you don't live there, how are you going to know where, you know, even if you were putting up posters, you wouldn't even know where to put up posters. Mm -hmm. Or even, like, the local scene, mm -hmm. right? So I do think it's important. It's not, it's not necessary because people right now after the COVID thing and right. people did leave the music industry because they got furloughed for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And so maybe they had to go into another industry. Maybe they went back to school mm -hmm. and just said, I'm, I'm done with this. You know what I mean? I'm worried that this could happen again and I can't afford it. Mm -hmm. So I do think there's more opportunities to go everywhere mm -hmm. because every, because they're just starving for people to work. That's why I tell any of the graduates, there are jobs right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, you might be thinking about your one particular job at like, like, we're saying starting the box office that is like a coveted spot because then you learn mm -hmm. that part of it which is so important the the ticketing is the most important thing mm -hmm. in our industry basically so if you do that for one or two years man that will set you up for um so much else you know in our industry mm -hmm. and there's so many ticket companies now it's not i'm not even talking about live nation there's just so many big ticketed companies and there's just so many venues that need box office people mm -hmm. and supervisors and stuff yeah. like that. So, I mean, it's just a good start, but I mean, I would just think that people, and that's why I just don't really like internships, mm -hmm. but the ones that aren't paying that you've already graduated from college and you're doing an intern, I just don't believe in that. I think you need to get a job. Okay. I think you need to start. I think you could be an intern while you're in college, but I don't want you to waste another one or two years of not getting paid, right? right. So that's why I tell everybody at University of Georgia, it's like, go work at the Georgia Theater. Go work at the 41. It's so easy. Get some door, you know, mm -hmm. or you at Trapeze. Like, just work. You know what I mean? Work right. at the food and beverage is very important in mm -hmm. our industry as well. And, you know, I've always had two or three jobs, always. Mm -hmm. And I still do. It was a little crazy during COVID because I was furloughed at all of them. But mm -hmm. I never thought that would happen. Right. Johnny I thought, and I were talking about it in the car, like, because I brought up how you've had three jobs. Always. And we were just so always. impressed with that. That's just insane. Yeah. Always. And people ask, like, you know, how, how do you, you do it? I mean, or, or <laughs> but, 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 but I think what it is is because it's my passion. Mm -hmm. I love music. Mm -hmm. And so that's my sports. That's my passion. And I right. never had children, right? So mm -hmm. I could do it. I, I don't think I probably would have been hard if I was raising children. Mm -hmm. But I just like, I, I love all facets of this industry. Mm -hmm. And it's all about your name mm -hmm. and getting your name out there. And so if you're, if you're just doing all this kind of stuff and, you, and you're dabbling in different little things, it's like you will always have a job. So if one goes away, it's, it's going to mm -hmm. be fine if you have a great reputation, if you have a stellar reputation. And that's an, another thing that I think is really important because 
even though we're in the music industry and it's a business, I think you really have to, as my father said, familiarity breeds contempt. I think you have to really be careful of what you show mm -hmm. to your coworkers. You know, mm -hmm. you have to be really careful about, and when I say that, it's like outside of your job, yes, go have some drinks with your friends and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But within your job, you just have to be really careful with that because everybody, you don't think people are looking at you, but everybody is looking at you. And you can just have one bad night, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And then that reputation just goes like, oh, I don't trust them or, oh, I don't right. trust her. And, you know, we're dealing with money and we're dealing with this and that. And I've just always kept everything just really private. I'm mm -hmm. a very private person when it comes from my job to this, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I smile at people and say hello and all that, you know, that you see me right. at the club, but I don't. I don't hang, I never have right. hung out because it's just really important to kind of separate that mm -hmm. and have your own, you know, friends from, you know, from college right. or whatever to have fun, but just within your inner circle, like be careful with that. A good follow-up question to what you've been talking about. What do you think are good characteristics of somebody who wants to work within this industry? Like I remember you talking about having a really good work ethic, like mm -hmm. not being discouraged when you get yelled at or something doesn't go your way to continue to not quit. Like how do you keep yourself moving forward in doing that and what are other like good characteristics to have to in order to be yeah successful in this industry good characteristics being this industry probably the most important i think two actually one is honesty mm -hmm. and i think to go hand in hand with that it was transparency mm -hmm. like if something happens you have to be honest if you messed up if something happens somebody else messed up mm -hmm. you have to communicate that with the managers whoever's world it hits because if you're going to hide something and it's just going to blow up in your face, mm -hmm. you know, if you're transparent and you're honest about what happened and you, you know, you tell whoever, whoever it is or multiple people, you know, I'm so sorry, I messed up. This is what happened. And also come up with a solution. This is how we can fix it. Mm -hmm. um, that'll get you a lot of places because if you're dishonest and you're hiding things and you're not being completely transparent with the folks you work around, then I think that will breed contempt and, you know, mm -hmm. people are not going to want to work with you anymore. I think being kind is another one too being nice and kind and you know because if you're working with a lot of people and you you rough up some feathers and you know you act out it's gonna make your job harder and people are not gonna work with you and so I know you have to have thick skin for sure to be in the industry I think that's another important quality to have too but that doesn't dish what you get mm -hmm. so if people are rude and mean to you that doesn't mean you're because you have thick skin you're rude and mean back I think it's just better to be calm uh, and just you know be nice with whatever happens and just figure out whatever you need to figure out and just come up with solutions and know your job and know your job yeah definitely know your job, uh, <laughs> know your job. yeah you mm -hmm. have to know your job for sure i know i mentioned that i was given a lot of chances when i first started and that, that was probably just a very rare occasion <laughs> where that happens but i did start from the bottom up mm -hmm. and you know sometimes you get people that are just thrown into it or, or just you know they get somehow they know something and they get the job but it's very important, Valina is absolutely right, to, to know how to do your job. And if you don't know it, if you don't know the job, like you, you just got your job, and so we have this thing called Rome mm -hmm. that we're supposed to know that's like kind of the, the mecca. It's the brain for operations. I mean, everybody looks at this, so that's the template. They're not going to ask you the deal. They look at Rome, and they see, you know, what you're supposed to do. And the point is, not everybody's going to know it in the beginning, but if this is something like we're talking about, learn it. Figure it out and or excel or any of this stuff it's mm -hmm. really important because they're not expecting you in the beginning to be experts mm -hmm. but once they tell you what your responsibilities are then do your best at knowing that mm -hmm. because that's why you're there in the first place so i don't know what 
you know, the people that are listening will be doing as their job. But once they mm -hmm. figure out what their responsibilities are, really try to be the best at what they can do, mm -hmm. you know, just so that your boss and overseer will like, they have confidence in you so they don't have to oversee you because nobody right. wants to just constantly, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do, they've got, they've got other responsibilities. When they hire you, they want to know that you can fill that, that they don't have time for, mm -hmm. but they're not going to worry about you and, you know, and that you're going to screw it up. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. What made you want to work at Live Nation? Like, what was it that you saw in the company where you, you know, connected with it and you're like, yeah, I want to be a part of this. I want to work here. That's a good question. Um, Thank you. I want to hear that from you. Yeah. yeah. So the way I got my Live Nation internship and it's, it was just by chance. Like I, I did not decide I wanted to work for Live Nation when I was in college. It was never something that like crossed my mind. Mm -hmm. I actually wanted to work for a record label. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of different jobs I wanted to do. But the internship just kind of fell into my lap because when I was in college, they allowed sophomores to have an internship if they did it during the summer. Mm -hmm. It was originally required to be in your junior year. They allowed me to do it earlier mm -hmm. and my neighbor's friend's daughter mm -hmm. was a talent buyer for Live Nation. And so it just so happened that my mom was talking to my neighbor mm -hmm. and my neighbor mentioned it to her daughter and her daughter mentioned it to her friend and mm -hmm. she was like, well, we need some help. Mm -hmm. Why don't you tell him to come like do an interview with me? Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, whatever, let's, just, let's try it. It's easy. Like I just drive over there. I didn't have to go look for one. So I did the interview and they just gave it to me. Mm -hmm. And, and oh, so wow. I... You know, I did. I was there. My heart wasn't like set on that internship. I really actually wanted to be in a recording studio and learn how to do sound. Mm -hmm. But this was easier. And I was like, well, I could just do an internship later for fun and mm -hmm. go into like a recording studio. But working with folks that I guess are at the top of their game, being presidents, huge talent buyers, with just so much knowledge and just watching them work. And still, you know, they still had fun up in the office, which, mm -hmm. you, you know, you would think at a headquarter. You know, it'd just be really serious and quiet there. Mm -hmm. But they were joking and laughing. I used to go have lunch with like presidents, like mm -hmm. one of the Latin touring guys we work with all the time. Him and I used to have lunch and he's such a nice guy and he's mm -hmm. a very smart man. And now I get to work with him like on an, not an yeah. equal level, but at, you know, a similar Peer. level. Oh, yeah. Wow. So yeah, now we're that peers. Is, that is true. Oh my God. And so it, it's crazy going from an intern all the way to being here mm -hmm. where I'm talking to, you know, my old general manager is now a VP and he he called me for advice and he's he's called me to talk about how he can help me and what we need to do to reach the same, a similar goal. And so it's just crazy from going to there to here and watching the folks at Live Nation and just how smart they were and just how they grew and hearing their stories of getting to where they're at now. I just knew I wanted to be there at some point mm -hmm. and I don't know how to get there and I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to be smart to the point where I got there and I knew the business to where I got there. And I, I can't say I'm there yet, but I'm, I'm getting there. And I, I hope one day I can be a VP and, you know, be at, at that level. But you will. But, and that's a good thing I would say about Live Nation or any of these big companies is mm -hmm. there is places to grow. Mm -hmm. Where there's smaller places, it's very hard to grow. Mm -hmm. So as much as they would love to have you grow, there's just no spots. Mm -hmm. Well, in Live Nation, it's global, right. right? So it's, I mean, they can pick you, you know what I mean? Like, 
who knows for Johnny in, you know, three years where he could be. They mm -hmm. might tell him, like, listen, we need you in Australia. We need to do the same thing that you've been doing in America. Now you need it to do it abroad. Who knows, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, really, if they think if they're smart enough and see these people who can do things that are young enough to be able to go for a couple years here and there, mm -hmm. you just never know. That's the possibility that he has is that there's, mm -hmm. there's not a glass ceiling. Cool. Yeah. And so that's kind of, I would, again, that's a, when we're talking, I'm thinking when people are listening to this and I'm thinking like that's what they should be thinking about when mm -hmm. they are going working at companies. Can they grow? Mm -hmm. or are they going to be stuck just in as assistants? Because mm -hmm. remember in our women who rock, remember, right. I don't want y'all just to be assistants. Right. I want y'all to move on mm -hmm. to be, you know what I mean? Real salary positions, mm -hmm. you know, you have to start as an assistant. I had to, too. Mm -hmm. So did he, but you don't have to stay there, you know? Another fault question to that is you've talked about all the people that you work with, like I'm thinking specifically of promoters. Could you guys tell me like who are your favorite people that you've worked with within the company and like their their roles and kind of, yeah, just go into that and talk about that. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. You're smiling, so I'm really excited to hear oh this answer. Oh my God, I've had such, <laughs> I've worked with so many good people. Uh -huh. um, I, I know I, I said that, you know, I when I first became assistant and it was, it was new and, you know, it was it was hard. But I, the reason I think I stuck around with it, you know, I don't think I ever had the thought of quitting, mm -hmm. but I did have really good mentors mm -hmm. and I had like, my, okay, like for example, I guess my first example was somebody that I worked with would be my general manager. And if he ever listens to this, Amir, if you're listening to this, thank, <laughs> thank you for everything. Um, he, he's the one that gave me the opportunity, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I was, I was in box office for almost four years. And, you know, I, I probably had the thought of, you know, I feel kind of stuck, but I, mm -hmm. you know, I, like Felina said, I didn't give up. Mm -hmm. I stayed because I knew I wanted to, to be in the industry. Mm -hmm. And so the general manager saw that for sure. He's, he's actually told me that when I had my interview with him, quote unquote interview, we were just eating churros and he gave me the job, but <laughs> he, he gave me the opportunity to try and book shows mm -hmm. and he gave me a lot of leash. He did not, he didn't micromanage me, which I do appreciate. Um, he gave me a lot of assistance when I needed it. I asked mm -hmm. a lot of questions mm -hmm. and he was never super harsh with me. He was firm and he was fair, which I think was a really good quality he had. And he was always good to me until he left because he got a better opportunity. And that was a really sad day when he left. I, oh my God, I was so sad. Mm -hmm. He was such a great general manager. When he left, we had my other general manager, Sean, mm -hmm. and also Sean, if you're listening to this, thank you as well. <laughs> uh, he is now a VP for Live Nation. Oh, wow. And he, he was a very firm man. He definitely knew what he wanted mm -hmm. and he wanted to execute it a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I can definitely say his way was probably 98% of the time the right way. Mm -hmm. He was a very well seasoned man. And so, you know, I was still, I was three years in, you know, so I knew a good amount, but I didn't know everything. And so, you know, sometimes I would forget everything. I was definitely less organized than I am today. Mm -hmm. uh, so I had to learn my organizational skills and I'm still learning, but you know, some things fell through the cracks and he would be like, how did this happen? Why? And you know, it was, it was a rough conversation we used to have, but I was transparent. I told him exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. And when things fell through the cracks and I, I messed up something, I would tell him because mm -hmm. I did, definitely did not want it to blow up later. And so I was very honest with him and he was honest with me. You know, after, after that, he, he we would have long conversations on certain nights after shows. We'd mm -hmm. sit in the office for an hour or two, and he would give me a lot of information on how he thought things should run. And he would actually try to help me with my career, too. He actually did try to get me a job with rentals years ago, but it, it just didn't pan out. But he did try. Mm -hmm. 
and I think that's probably how my reputation kind of like came about because he spoke, he said really nice things and did try to get me a job. After he left, we had a different general manager. She wasn't a mentor to me, but she gave me a lot of leash. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really took range on everything. I was responsible for the rental budget, for the copros and fillers, and I did, I did a lot. And so she just kind of let me do whatever I wanted to do, mm -hmm. which was also a good experience because then I, I kind of was able to be creative on, on certain events. And there was a lot of trust. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, I didn't really have anybody telling me what to do. I just did it. Mm -hmm. um, and that had its own set of fulfillment because I just felt responsible for it. Mm -hmm. But nobody was also on me about it. Mm -hmm. um, but I did, have, I did feel responsible for it. So I didn't like let go. And mm -hmm. like I did hit my budget and I did everything I needed to do. And then when she was gone... Sean came back and he, he, you know, him and him and I were already familiar with each other and he trusted me. And so I, he never asked me about hitting my budget uh, until COVID hit. Then we kind of had to like go over numbers and stuff, but he right. fully trusted me. I already built that trust with him. So at that point in my life, you know, with the general managers trusting me and then even my buyer, who is still my buyer today, he mentored me too in Rome. Uh, he would tell me a little bit about talent. I, I knew him from when I was working as a a ticket seller at House of Blues. So I've known him for almost 10 years, which is crazy to think about. But he is a very calculated man. And so he, all everything I would build in Rome, that was kind of like on the more promoted side, I guess, he would check it and he would watch my numbers and he would ask me about how it's going and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But he was patient with me too, because he, ha he has a lot of venues. He would always tell me to take my time when I'm building in Rome. He would give me advice. He was always straight up with me, even if it was harsh. He would definitely give me the, tr the whole truth. So I appreciate that too. Of course, it might not be the thing I want to hear, but it was definitely the thing I needed to hear mm -hmm. on whether what I want to do is dumb or it's not going to work. But sometimes he'd still let me do it and he, he would let me try it out. And I think, again, another blessing of being in Riverside is there was a lot of room to grow and a lot of forgiveness uh, in that market. And there was a lot of communication. You know, everybody was really honest with each other. All the managers were, were very honest. So that, that was really helpful. And that's why I say it's a really good quality and an important quality to have being in this business. So I guess to circle back to the question, <laughs> Amir, <laughs> Amir, Sean, my talent buyer, were probably the biggest influences in my life as far as like mentorship. Until but now. until now, Valina has given me the biggest opportunity. <laughs> until now. Until yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, th th this, this has been a humongous opportunity that I, I think I've told it's you before. Yeah. They don't believe I got a national job. Oh my gosh, it, it's uh, it, it's it's been wild. I it, it feels like a huge jump to be honest. To go from you know, two venues to essentially maybe not all of them, but a lot of them, a lot of them. So, it's it's something I didn't ever think I would do on the national side of things. I definitely for sure wanted to do something, you know, in California, mm -hmm. and you know, become a VP somehow, some way, mm -hmm. or president. But I did not think I'd be touching this many venues and talk to this many people within the company and outside. So thank you to Amir and Sean, all the buyers and everybody I've, I've talked to that have helped me along the way. And it's gotten me to this point that I'm at now. And of course, it's still a long road ahead. But, you know, I'm here now. and I'm just really, really grateful to be here. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So Valina and her incredible amount of experience. I'm sure she's had some really great mentors. Well, mine mine is a little different because my I, I, I have had good mentors, but the the one that the just the short story I would like to say is 
when I thought I wanted to get into the record company business and be an A&R person, um, I went to South by Southwest, which is mm-hmm. a, a festival that's still going on today. Mm-hmm. And someone told me to meet a big time A&R woman there. And so I went to this picnic thing to meet her. Mm-hmm. And um, I was expecting, I don't know really what I was expecting. I was young. But when I met her, she was super stoned. She was sitting at the picnic table. (laughs) She looked me up and down. She was probably 15 years older than me. Uh And it was horrible. It was so sad because I just, you know what I mean? I thought she was going to be my holy grail. Like Mm -hmm. she was going to be the opening, the opening, Mm -hmm. the gate of like Mm -hmm. helping me try to find, you know, this A&R position. But what it did for me all these years is me going I never want anyone to feel that way again Mm -hmm. and so seriously I mean it really hit me that hard because Mm -hmm. I've just been a big fish in a little pond for so long Mm -hmm. in Athens I just had never had that kind of you know situation Mm -hmm. happen to me so that's when I started hiring women interns Mm -hmm. for the 40 watt and because I think that women with women sometimes are so competitive I'm sure men with men are competitive too but I'm Mm -hmm. a woman and I was just like, wow, I don't want any other young girl. It's already hard enough to get in our business anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted every opportunity for anybody that I, you know, could help. Mm-hmm. Right. So now it's with, you know, men and women. But the point was just the rudeness of that was just, it just, it just shook me, you know, mm-hmm. it just shook me. So instead of like, you know, look, I'm still talking about it and look how many years ago. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure that person's long gone. Mm -hmm. It has not been in our industry for many years, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not how to be. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole thing with anybody that, I mean, God, I can't remember. I've had hundreds of interns now over my 31-year career. But I hope to God wherever they've been, and all of them are all over the place right now, they're either in our industry or was in our industry, Mm -hmm. That that's the whole thing about just the payback, you know what I mean? To treat people well, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And just because you're in a higher position doesn't mean that you should be uppity or stuck up or right. not, you know, not helping someone out because it's so easy. I mean, once you get to a certain spot, it's just like you, Zoe, mm-hmm. when um, the head of Ticketmaster uh, just wrote me on Facebook and and she's like, Do, can you can you just reach out to mm-hmm. one of my her like her mom's friends, Karen Swope? Yeah, Karen Swope. Mm-hmm. And I met Karen a couple of times. She was head of Ticketmaster here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Really nice person. We did women, you know, women in our industry a couple of times. So mm-hmm. I've met her, but we're not best of friends or anything. But she she found me on on Facebook mm-hmm. and said that um, she had somebody that she would like to meet, mm-hmm. and that's how I met Zoe. And Zoe's oh. whole situation mm-hmm. changed. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So we came up here after that and got into the Inbus program because she was a little late. Wasn't it like you were a little late to get in? So I I originally was supposed to graduate like that semester, and then I met Valina, and it was in February, and, and we talked about the Inbus program, and I got added late into her husband's class, David Lowry, and they kind of totally changed my like career trajectory because I always wanted to do something music and I and I was you know kind of lost and had been all of college like this is the first time I think yeah my fifth year that I finally felt like I found somewhere I belonged and, and she was the one who helped me with that so yeah, yeah. Waves. but 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 in a good way because then I said please come work at the 40 watt uh-huh. and now I mean my managers at the 40 watt they think Zoe is just the best they want Zoe to do everything oh. Zoe like all the new people that come they're like Zoe can help them right so mm-hmm. like Zoe's saying that she didn't even know that world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, you probably have gone to a show, but you didn't know mm-hmm. that you could even work at the 40 watt no or idea. be at the door yeah. or that you would be kind of head door person now because you do know everything or head merch person. She mm-hmm. does all the merch and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's just one 
you know what I mean? One introduction, just niceness. Mm -hmm. That's all it takes. You know what I mean? And it's Mm -hmm. not that hard to help everybody out. But like my goal has been for the last at least, I don't know, 10 years is I like looking at a map of the United States and seeing where all my people are Mm -hmm. because they truly are all over. And I've got, you know, at different uh, booking agents, management companies, Mm -hmm. uh, everywhere. And it just makes me a proud, but also I can just call them and go, Hey, you know, when is Parquet Courts playing? When are they mm-hmm. routed? Do you know what I mean? Because they're all working at these, you know, major booking agents now. Mm-hmm. Or man, two of them worked for Taylor Swift. That was fun. Wow. So, you know what I mean? Just, like, it's really been interesting to see, like, uh, all my friends, you know, do very well. And that's what I want because I want our industry to stay strong. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if I can kind of raise these people to be really good employees wherever they go, then our industry will still be doing well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this is, you know, there's a, sometimes there's not the, the best of people that get in our industry. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I'm trying to make it like a really strong, proactive men and women, just being really good people, loving what they do. Mm-hmm. But just like you were saying about being fair and honest, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And not making this a sleazy rip off business or right. you know what I mean? What, how, what can we get out of, you know, whatever, right? The patrons to the, to the bands, to, to whatever, because mm-hmm. I'll always be a, an artist first. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's what I did. And so I know how hard it is to be an artist. I know how hard it is to write a song mm-hmm. and how much guts it takes to be on stage. Mm-hmm. I know, you know, it's hard to make a living, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm always going to be on the artist side over any side. And then I married someone who's an artist, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, so I want our, our industry to be strong and I want it to be fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a good word. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I, I know for sure, like whoever you hire, whoever you put forward, I, I hope that they'll carry forward what you've taught me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just... Like, I've, I've loved this opportunity, and I just wanted to thank you for everything because you're probably, like, the coolest person I think I could have ever worked for. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever told you, so I just yeah, want you no, to know you that. Really it's so cool to watch you because I feel like you're – you just – you carry yourself in such a professional, awesome, cool way, and and I just would love to be that, you know. Well, you will be. Line. You yeah. will be. Because that's, yeah, no, you will be because I, I want you to be, <laughs> right? Yes, ma'am. So I picked you. I picked you. Yeah. So, like, I'm, I'm – ordaining you to do do that and go out in life and that's the thing is some of some of the people that have worked for me end up not staying in our industry because Mm -hmm. it is hard and it is grueling right and they do Mm -hmm. it for five years and then they'll call me and say hey man I'm gonna do something else and I have no problem with that because Mm -hmm. I feel like the life lessons that we all learn from each other because I learn all the time as well is that just being good people Mm -hmm. and so whatever you're doing you know what I mean and whatever business you're in Mm -hmm. I just want you to be a strong positive you know what I mean Mm -hmm. independent thinker you know and just being the best out here because we only have one life you know what I mean you don't get a second chance Mm -hmm. so stay in our industry but in case you you wanted to move on and do something else that's okay too Mm -hmm. I love hearing about other people doing other things Mm because I find it interesting you know I remember you telling me at one of the women who rock groups um I can't remember her name but you and um Lay Marie were talking about her 93 members Wow. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot. It's it's, huge. it's awesome, and it's always at Lena's house. Yeah. Um, we do it once a month. You do it here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where do you fit them? In the well, back we usually have only like fifty because a lot of them graduate. Oh, do you know what I mean? Right. But we, our membership is you know is alive at one hundred ninety three right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
but I, I remember you talking about, I, I, I can't remember her name, but she was like a, wh- whatever she was doing, maybe it was talent buying. She was a boss in it. She'd been doing it for a couple of years and then she quit and then now is working in Alabama as like a florist. Oh yeah, it's true. Yeah. Which yeah. I just thought was really cool to see how, yeah, like yeah. I guess one of the things how, how yeah, people Yeah, she, uh, she, 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 uh, I really believe she, you know, I got her a job at AC Entertainment with Bonnaroo Festival mm-hmm. because she, she brought me like Judah and the Line and a couple other things when they were first um, starting out. Mm-hmm. a really good tastemaker you know mm-hmm. she was my new tastemaker and she did do that and she did go to nashville and she just kind of just got um you know disenchanted with mm-hmm. the music world and stuff and so uh she ended up being a stewardess for a mm-hmm. couple years and then COVID happened mm-hmm. and now she's a florist and she does do special events floors like you know for for people's album releases so mm-hmm. she's still a little bit music. but no totally different direction than I thought totally different town than I thought but mm-hmm. we still check in with each other because again I'm not going to blow you off just because you're not in our industry do right. you know what I mean because she's still a young woman you mm-hmm. know but yeah but I, I do love hearing when they leave me mm-hmm. do you want to meet or leave Athens like what what are you doing and what have you learned mm-hmm. because then you can come back to the people here and kind of tell us you know the the good and the bad about right. what's going on because there's not as he was saying you know he had a couple things where they were kind of rough with him but mm-hmm. we need to know the good and the bad that's the whole point you know when johnny and i communicate we try to figure out like you know there's definitely people in our you know in our company maybe aren't the nicest people but we kind of try to figure out what what their deal is you know what i mean or mm-hmm. what what is the meaning behind that so not everybody right. is just like, oh, they're so wonderful, right? Mm-hmm. And, book, and booking agents and just bands. Like we were talking about, my God, there's some bands that are super nice and super gracious, and mm-hmm. there are some that aren't. Maybe they're tired from being on tour for six weeks. We don't know what their deal is. But mm-hmm. not everybody can put on a happy face because, you know, it just is right. what it is. It's reality. So I do think that we should be honest about that because I, I remember when I first started probably the first three four years of my at the 40 watt mm-hmm. I told my mom you know I was getting disenchanted because there was just so much drugs and alcohol that mm-hmm. was involved in the in the club world right mm-hmm. and she said oh honey they're everywhere right <laughs> you know there's lawyers that are alcoholics there's doctors that that um overtake prescription drugs mm-hmm. and I thought like good for her to level me out right. and just realize it's just in this world mm-hmm. and you just got to just kind of live with it you can't judge people or not judge but you can kind of stay away from it do you right. know what I mean but I thought that was super cool she's like God. it's everywhere it's you know what I mean it's just yeah. like and then I remember I went I had my dentist one time and we were just talking about because like when you can see somebody's mouth mm-hmm. you can kind of see you know what they do and what they don't do I guess with hygiene and stuff mm-hmm. and he did say though the the biggest because he has like a bunch of bands, REM and Whitesburg Panic, and a bunch of all the, you know, mm-hmm. he's just a rock dentist, right? Oh, cool. He, nice. he goes, oh, y'all aren't bad. It's those lawyers. Those are the ones that he could say that <laughs> are the bad alcoholics who yeah. buy stress, right? Oh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just funny. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I know. I just thought this would be like an interesting question because I know that this is obviously it's infected, affected the in, infected and affected the entire world, but how COVID completely changed what you were doing before and what you're doing now and like kind of was there a point where you're like this is gonna completely change what I want to do like were you scared at any point thinking oh this is over you know I I, oh my gosh it's funny I was not furloughed I was one of the lucky ones oh Um, okay yeah so I I wasn't furloughed um, yeah and I I will I will I'll tell you guys later how that happened but Mm -hmm. Essentially, I, I did not get furloughed. I stayed on in Riverside. It was just me and the general manager. Mm-hmm. I, they did cut my hours a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. And then at a point, I did get a little worried that they were going to furlough me. 
Um, and then they talked about cutting budgets. And then I got word that they were going to, if I got furloughed, they weren't going to let me come back because mm -hmm. they were cutting budgets. Yeah. So at that point, I kind of considered that if that happens, I will just reapply. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, just, yeah. And just try to come back in. Mm -hmm. And if that didn't work out, then I, I don't know. I'd, I've thought of, I've actually questioned like what I would, I've questioned myself. I'm like, okay, what would I do if for whatever reason I didn't have a job? Like mm -hmm. Libation fired me or like let me go or whatever. I was like, well, if I got out of the music industry, right, um, what would I do? Because like yeah. the music industry is just so niche mm -hmm. yeah. that it, it's like, it's like, like what we do is not something you just easily jump into a different company. We mm -hmm. have only so many places we can go. Mm -hmm. So it's not like being a marketer for a company and you could just jump to any other company and, yeah. and be a marketer there. Mm -hmm which is a great thing if you're a marketer, right? If you lose one job, there's a lot of jobs out there. Or with booking, there's only so many places you can go. Uh, yeah, and, and then they never leave, right? And so like people stay forever uh, in our industry. So when COVID hit, I kind of was just like, okay, maybe I'll sell houses. I don't know, I like, I like selling oh, venues. Yeah. So maybe I could sell houses. Oh, that's some money. Yeah, and that's, that's good money. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know, that commission. Job, yeah. So I thought about doing that. Um, the only thing that I guess that really changed when COVID hit, at least in my world, was of course there was all these new COVID policies. We started mm -hmm. looking more at cleanliness, which was this whole other thing. During COVID, when um, when I was not furloughed, they put me on a lot of busy work, mm -hmm. and I was on a project on getting this certificate. I can't remember the name of it for each venue, mm -hmm. and actually every venue has it now. And I can't remember what that cleanliness certificate okay. is, but it was a lot of work. The general manager did most of it, to be honest. But there, it was a lot of information and mm -hmm. a lot, it changed a lot of protocols and it, got, it made the venue more expensive to run and even still. Mm -hmm. So it changed a lot of expenses. It, it definitely changed the way we do booking and mm -hmm. protocols and it's still kind of that way now, even though it's kind of a little bit more laxed. And so it just made the job a little bit harder even now with protocols and costs and, you know, we, we have to buy a certain, gosh, chemicals and stuff for specific things and we have to have more porters and, you know, uh, cleaners on hand mm -hmm. for shows so it just made things more expensive a little bit more tedious hopefully mm -hmm. you know it, it'll yeah. get more lax and it won't be an issue anymore it definitely made the company look at how we clean our venues and what we carry as far as products but it really just affected me because I was I wasn't furloughed yeah, thank god lucky. I got lucky mm -hmm. and I stayed on that's amazing uh, so many of us got furloughed a lot of people got furloughed I got furloughed for a year and a half oh my gosh yeah people got furloughed yeah I think you were one of the I think you must have been one of the first people well, second, yeah, second, second round. Oh, second round. There was like four rounds. It was, it was oh four wow! Rounds, but I was two. Uh -huh. and, uh, woo, that was hard because I was like, like I said, I had a management company mm -hmm. and I had forty watt and I had Live Nation, mm -hmm. and all three of them just kind of got wiped out. Mm -hmm. So. I mean, I wouldn't say I got furloughed from the 40 watt, but but she had to stop my salary and she had to stop her own salary, mm -hmm. right? And then we just got the government, you know, the whatever that weekly thing was. But what I'm saying is, since I have three jobs and under my umbrella, I mm -hmm. do pretty good. That's not why I wanted to not work. I've right. always worked. You know what I mean? I've never stopped working. So the first couple of months, you know, I was kind of in shock for the first month. And then I kind of got used to it. And then I got this little baby, which mm -hmm. is my COVID dog. And then I kind of started enjoying it. So mm -hmm. then when, you know, Cracker and 40 Watt started back, and I got a call back from Live Nation, and they said that they wanted to Zoom call me, like an interview with two people that I've never talked to. Mm -hmm. I actually really thought that it was an interview to get my job back, mm -hmm. right? Even though I knew I had good numbers in 2019, 
once they said they wanted to Zoom call me and not just, you know, totally go, you're back on. Because I was talking to my head buyer and those people, you know, and just going, when, when am I coming back? Because the mm -hmm. junior buyer had already come back. But lo and behold, doing that Zoom call and kind of explaining what I do, and it really, it really was kind of an interview, but it worked out really well. The two people that I talked to really mm -hmm. liked me and liked what I could do and actually thought that I could do a bigger role. Mm -hmm. So even though it took that long to get back, I got a promotion mm -hmm. and a w way more responsibility. So I'm so thankful, you know, that in my interview that I wasn't being uh, you know, a negative person mm -hmm. or why aren't I back or questioning them because I wouldn't have this opportunity. So you just never know. You right. know what I mean? That's the whole point. But I think anybody in our industry for with COVID, mm -hmm. it affected all of us because we, we were kind of like, he was very lucky that he got to stay. Mm -hmm. Very few people in, in, not even in our company, just across the board. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking about big bands and all kinds of stuff. They were just down. Right. I mean, they were down for at least a year, a mm -hmm. year and a half, yeah. some some a little bit longer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and some didn't get asked back. That's what he's saying. Mm -hmm. But I did hear through the grapevine that if you did get let go, they did say that. Well, you can always reapply. <laughs> they did say that, right? Uh, and I don't know if some people would or yeah. some people wouldn't. Like, why, why wouldn't he, right? Mm -hmm. But there were some people, like a woman that I know, a good friend of mine, good friend of Karen's mm -hmm. was with Live Nation for, you know, 25 years and mm -hmm. she, she got let go mm -hmm. during COVID and she now has another job in another company and it's all good. But mm -hmm. like that totally shocked me. Yeah. You know what I mean? That somebody that, that has been there for so long, I had only been with the company, you know, three years, you know, mm -hmm. three or four years. So I'm not, I'm kind of new to the company, but yeah, that, that was, yeah, that was all scary. Mm -hmm. That was scary for all of us, but now it feels good. I mean, I, I can tell you that I just feel we're, we're really super busy with, mm -hmm. you know, and crackers back, you know, Yay. doing a lots of dates in the summer and, you know, 40 watts back, as you know, because you work mm -hmm. there. So, mm -hmm. it's a, you know, it's all working out. But, yeah, but that was that was that was a that was definitely a stop for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. But it made me appreciate it more. I mm -hmm. will tell you that I was kind of like just doing it, not really thinking about my job and just kind of just doing it. Mm -hmm. And now, like, I I'm kind of excited about it again. So maybe that little bit of a break kind of was like, you know, a reset for me. That's how I felt with school when I was on Zoom the whole time. I was like, this is not it. And then when we got to go back in person, I just, like, I never thought that I would feel, I mean, I know education is like a luxury in, mm -hmm. in a sense, and you should always appreciate it. But if you get something, if you have, if you've had something for so long, you kind of, it's like that saying, like, you don't know what you have until it's gone. It's also too, like when things get shaken up a little bit, that people can sit back and kind of think about how they want to do things. And like I said, had we not had COVID, probably we mm -hmm. wouldn't have this division. Do you know right. what I mean? They wouldn't. It, they would have just done like they've always done it, mm -hmm. and we would have still worked there. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? But it would just been, you know, it just would be different. You right. know, so so in some ways, someone did tell me that they're like, "Wow, you can honestly say that you kind of like are doing better mm -hmm. since COVID <laughs> than before." And I, and, and I and I said, actually, that's true. Mm -hmm. I never would have thought that, but yes, that's true. Yeah. I never thought about that, but you're completely right. So it goes into a better place. Sorry, yeah. guys, sorry everybody else. Yeah, sorry everybody else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's funny. Um, I'll stop the questions now because I've asked a million, and you guys were so great, and I'm just so thankful that you'd want to be on here and do this uh, with me. And, yeah. and just it was so cool to learn more 
in depth about what y'all do and I hope everybody else can learn something from this we've talked about so much and I think mm-hmm. said so many helpful things that will help people who are like me just about to enter this yeah. workforce and and what to what to do what not to do going forward so and, and you guys are just awesome people in general oh, so I'm glad yeah. everybody gets to hear about you yeah yeah I would just say apply 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 mm-hmm. just keep applying for all kinds of things and don't get discouraged and have your little side hustle jobs mm-hmm. you know what I mean and just kind of wait and just be and just write yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I also heard somebody mention, even if you feel like you're not completely qualified for something, just to apply anyway. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We did it. I mean, when we first started, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there wasn't any music business when I started as a talent buyer. Yeah. It is hilarious that they gave me that opportunity at 41 and then I just did it for this many years yeah. because I, I did not have any... I mean, it's surprising that I didn't run that place to the ground like, money-wise because I just did. I've actually learned a lot how to buy from, you know, mm-hmm. Live Nation because of just little tricks and things that they do. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so it, it is like you just fake it till you make it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then once you get it, that's why I say just learn it. You right. I mean, just write down what you're supposed to know and just go, I'm going to figure this out or I will get someone to help me. Mm-hmm. Right. Thank you guys so much. I Again, I'm going to mention Gypsy again because you could hear her in the background and I wish uh, she could say something too, but she's fast asleep. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. See you guys next time. Bye.